first day of the new year that we can come here and hear your word, sing your praises, and observe communion. I pray now, Lord, that as we learn more about how you are the unchanging God, that we would uh, realize that, um, that you are a good God, that you're unchanging, but you desire change in us. So we pray now, Lord, that as we spend time in your word learning more about that, we just pray that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So some people love change. Some people don't like change, but what most people would agree with is there's no need to change if something is perfect. There's no need to change if something's perfect. Things need to change when they're broken, when they're imperfect, or in desperate need of improvement. So today, on the first day of 2023, we're continuing in this little series that we've been doing, Only God, and we're learning this. Only God is unchanging. The theological word is immutable, but God is unchanging. And the basic concept here is this. God does not change, okay? God does not change. God does not change. He can't get better because he's already perfect. He can't get worse because if he did, he wouldn't be perfect. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, your heavenly father is perfect. So God does not change in his being, in his perfections, in his purposes, or in his promises. The scriptures teach us this in Psalm 102. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Now, this verse also teaches us what we're going to learn last next week, and that's God's omnipotence, which is God is all-powerful. But basically, it talks about how God created, right? And he created and he instituted this creation, and the creation, by very nature, will actually wear out. That's why we see things getting worse. Have you noticed that? Things don't get better, okay, with time. They actually get worse. And if you're wondering about that, that's how we age. You know, when you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, things are getting worse, okay? That's kind of the way things are, okay? That's kind of the way things are. God put creation into motion. Creation will eventually wear out. God will change creation when he makes the new heavens and earth, this new robe thing. But Basically, the reason why creation is like that is so we don't see creation as the ultimate. Creation will change. So we don't see it as the ultimate, and because we don't see it as the ultimate, it reminds us not to worship it. Now, not everybody feels that way. Some people do worship creation rather than the creator. But the truth is, when we see these scriptures like this, we realize that God is all-powerful. He's the one cre who created, but... He does not change. And actually, at the end of this passage, it tells us what we learned on Christmas, that God is eternal, that he has no end. But then we move along to Malachi chapter 3. It says, For I, the Lord, your, I the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Okay, so basically in this verse, the prophet Malachi brings a message from God, and he says, first and foremost, I don't change, okay? I'm the unchanging God. But then he states that the children of Jacob are not consumed. 
Now, many theologians agree this verse guarantees the preservation of Israel, meaning this, in God's economy, and some of you remember when we studied through Daniel, he still has a plan for Israel. There's going to be a mass turning of Jewish people to Jesus during the end times. Now, some suggest that the church replaces Israel in the end times events, but the truth is what God tells us, and he promised Abraham, those promises will not be revoked to God's chosen people, Israel, because God does not change. Our next verse that I want to look at is in the New Testament found in James, and it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Okay, I reference this verse a lot, but it's a simple reminder that everything good and perfect is from the Father. His nature is good, and that will not change. Good gifts remind the believer to praise God, and good gifts should get the attention of the unbeliever. Yeah, you get that? Good gifts should remind us to praise, and good gifts should get the attention of the unbeliever and ask, where did these gifts come from? Unfortunately, we live in, well, fortunately, we live in America, and we have freedom, and we expect things to be good. So many times when things are going well, we don't praise, we just expect and for unbelievers, when things are going well, they don't ask the question. They just expect that things should be going well. And then when things go bad, what do they do? How could there be a God, right, if things are going badly like this? But they forget passages like this or don't know that every good and perfect gift is from the Father in heaven who does not change. Which brings us to Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Now this verse now connects Jesus as being the unchanging God. Jesus is the unchanging God, and the writer of Hebrews states that we should not be led astray by strange teachings. Now then you have to ask, well, what are strange teachings? Well, basically, by definition, strange teachings are anything that goes away from the gospel message. So we can define strange teachings that anything that teaches that you can gain favor with God without accepting Jesus or aside from Jesus. So a strange teaching would be this. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. If you're very, very good, God will accept you. If you're very, very bad, God will not accept you. That's a strange teaching because that's not what the scriptures teach. Okay, so anything that goes against what the scriptures teach. So some of you might be thinking, well, all my life I've been asking, I've been, I've been thinking that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. What is the truth? Well, the truth is this. We are all sinners and we deserve to be separated from God. Jesus is the loving, good, unchanging God that was willing to come to this earth and lay down his life to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he is God, to prove that he can save us, to prove that he can conquer death. And the scriptures teach abundantly clear in many, many places that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Anything that you hear other than that, as far as gaining acceptance by God, is a strange teaching. That's what Hebrews tells us. Jesus Christ is the same 
yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. Don't accept anything that goes against Jesus dying on the cross to pay the price for our sins and rising from the grave and all who believe have eternal life. Now, back to what we're studying. Only God is unchanging. The attribute's kind of easy to understand, right? I mean, some of the attributes that we, we've been studying, we're like, kind of like, ah, oh, it's kind of hard to wrap my brain around. brain around. But, you know, this one's kind of easy. God does not change, or in other words, he's the same. But here's where some get confused or tripped up when they start reading in the Bible, because they come across passages where God changes his mind. So we have this unchanging, this immutable God, but now God changes his mind? Well, the truth is God can change his mind, but that doesn't mean he changes. God acts and feels emotions which impacts his response in different situations. Now, a few examples I'm going to cite in Scripture. The first is in Exodus 32. God told Moses that he was angry with his people because they made an idol. Some of you might remember, Moses went out up on the mountain, and they, they didn't see him for a while, and then they made a golden calf to worship. They're like, we need something to worship. And, you know, they basically put all their gold together, made a golden calf. Good idea, right? So they make this golden calf, and they're worshiping a statue. So God was angry. Like, seriously? Like, that's what you picked to replace me? So God's very angry. So he can change his mind, and here's what happened. In Exodus 32, it says this. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. So now basically God is telling Moses, I'm really mad at these people and I'm going to discipline these people. In fact, we see it's, it's harsh words here, okay? I'm going to wipe these people out so that I can make a great nation. Do you remember in the days of Noah? Okay, this is not out of God's character, okay? So basically what happens here is this. God is very upset with his people. His desire... And his purpose and plan is to make them a great nation. So Moses' response was praying and pleading with God not to do that. So here's how he does it. He reminds God. He says, remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. So basically, what's happened here is God heard Moses out, and he actually changes his mind and relents. God does not, that does not mean that God has changed. God had a plan to make the people a great nation. In view of Moses' prayer, he actually decided to relent from the stated discipline of his people and deal with his people in a different way. Now, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 38, there's another example. Hezekiah, king of Judah, became sick and was told by Isaiah to get his affairs in order. You're going to die, okay? So a prophet of God comes to you. You're the king. Prophet of God comes to you. You're sick. 
get your orders in, in affair, get your affairs in order, and you're going to die. So Hezekiah was not happy about this news, as most of us would not be. So basically what he does is he turns to the Lord in prayer. He reminds the Lord of his obedience, and he wept before the Lord. Let's look. It says, Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So now Hezekiah gets this bad news. So instead of complaining, which many of us do when we get bad news, instead of actually listening and getting his affairs in order, what does Hezekiah do? He prays. Kind of a quick, simple lesson we can learn from Hezekiah is like, when something goes wrong, what's the first thing you should do? Pray. What's the first thing we normally do? We try to fix it, right? We try to take control of it. We try to do what we can instead of going right to the Lord. So let's find out what happens here. In Isaiah 38, 4 through 5, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, or Hezekiah. Let's find out what happens to Hezekiah. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah, the prophet who was communicating to Hezekiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I mean, there's a lot here, right? I mean, when you think about it, it's like, okay, like, then the prophet comes and says, okay, you got 15 years. Imagine if somebody said you got 15, like, like you got 15 years, you'd be like, uh, okay, what am I going to do with year one? But the truth is this. These are two examples. They're an encouragement because it illustrates how God changes his mind because the situation changes. A godly person appeals to him in prayer. If Moses would have stuck with the people and worshipped the calf, if Moses was like, eh, you know what, this is what we worship now. Guess what? The people would have been consumed. Or if Hezekiah would have just said, well, the prophet told me to get my affairs in order, I'm just going to get my affairs in order, he would have died. But they both prayed and God listened and changed his mind in both situations. Let me just appeal to you. This is why we pray even in dire situations. Have you ever been in a dire situation? Or have you ever asked somebody to, like somebody ever asked you to pray and it seems like their situation is dire and, and you know, in, 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 we should be ashamed of ourselves when we think about this, but sometimes we're like, oh, you know what? Like, should I really be like even bothering praying about this? I mean, this person is like, it, it's not gonna work or this is like set in stone, this is done. Let me just tell you, even when it's a dire situation, never underestimate the power of appealing to God in prayer. We don't know if he'll change his mind, but can he? Of course he can. So we can continue to appeal to him. Which really brings us to the final thing and really what I want to talk about mostly today. And that is this. God wants to change us. Okay? God wants to change us. God doesn't change, but he desires to change us. God is perfect, so there's no need for him to change. We have to change because we're not perfect. Do you know what the narrative our culture is trying to put forth these days? Some of you younger people would probably know this a little more. And basically, the narrative is this. 
and it's, it's, it's to bolster self-esteem. You are fine just the way you are. Your problem is you don't accept who you are. That's what they'll say. You're fine just the way you are. The problem is, is you don't accept that. So what you need to do is accept the way that you are. Don't change. Accept the way that you are, no matter what's going on. Now, I will say this. This is true in some circumstances, but it's a problem when it comes to sinful things in our life. Don't let anybody ever tell you you are identified by the sins that you commit and say, that's not a problem. That's who you are. If you are a believer in Jesus, you're called to what we call, or theologians call, sanctification, which means becoming holy or becoming more like our perfect God. We are all a work in progress. And if there's sin in our life, we should not accept it and become slaves to sin. We should not continue to, to disobey God's standards and shrug it off and say, this is the way I am. That is not God's desire for you. God desires to change you. We're called to live actually as new creations. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Notice what this verse teaches. It doesn't say try to be a new creation. It teaches us that we are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. We are changed. Why? Because Jesus is the one who actually changes us. When you believe that Christ is your Savior, not only do you inherit eternal life, God actually makes you a new creation. Well, how are we changed? Well, before Christ, we were lost. But guess what? Now we're found. Before Christ, we were blind. But guess what? Now we see. Before Christ, we were dead. But now we're alive. So this change is already brought forth by Jesus. He's the one through the Holy Spirit that changes us. This is a work that's already available for us. So here's what happens. If we accept sinful ways, if we accept sinful thinking, and if we accept sinful actions in our life, we're actually fighting against the work that God desires to do in our life. If we accept these things into our life, we're actually putting up our dukes. We're fighting against what God wants to do in our life. So every year we treat this day, January 1st, the first day of the new year, as a day to start over, right? A day to make resolutions. A day to make changes. Maybe you already have the list of things that you want to do. Maybe you're like, yep. Today's the first day. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. You're like, I'm going to go to church, okay? This is the first day. I'm going to start off right. And, you know, we all know. We've all been there, right? We make these decisions. And, you know, if, like, say if you're the type of person that goes to the gym, you hate the beginning of January, right? Because you go to the gym and you can't get a machine. You can't work out because everybody's crowded in. And then by, like, week three, you're like, back to normal, right? Back to normal. And let me just tell you. We have good intentions, don't we? We have good intentions. We see something is wrong, and we want to change it. We want to improve. So we say, January 1st, whatever year it might be, I need to change. I want to do this because I am not satisfied with the way things have been. Well, today, 
regardless of any of those types of resolutions you make. Today, I want to challenge you to respond in a positive way to spiritual changes that God wants you to make in your life. I want to challenge you not to be satisfied with having a poor spiritual life. And let me just tell you something. If I have a secret, this is the secret to tell you. When your spiritual life is in line, it spills over into every other area of life. When your spiritual life is in line, it spills over. Test me on this one. Give me this year. Test me on this one. And I'll show you. God will show you that that is true. So on this first day of 2023, it's time to take spiritual inventory and make some changes in life. So the first thing we want to ask ourselves is about our prayer life. Moses and Hezekiah, would you say they had good prayer lives? Okay. They were the people that prayed to God and God actually changed his mind. Well, let me ask you, how was your prayer life in 2022? Did you find it hard to pray? Were your prayers inconsistent or distracted? Did you only pray when things were going wrong? Because when the things are going right, you're like, yeah, okay, it's good. I must be in with God. I don't have to talk to him. That's the way you treat your spouse, right? Must be in with them. Don't have to talk to them. Okay. So here's the thing. Are you satisfied with how your prayer life was in 2022? Be honest. Okay. Be honest. Are you satisfied with how the last year went with your prayer life? Or maybe how your entire lifetime has been with your prayer life? So then that pushes us to ask this question. What's your plan? What's your plan for 2023? Here's some suggestions. Set a time a day. If you don't set a time a day, it's just going to slip away. If you're an early person, make it in the morning. If you're a late person, make it at night. Maybe if you're a lunchtime person, make it during lunch. I don't care when you do it. We know the example of Jesus. He got up before the sun even rose and prayed. But set a time a day. Maybe you have a, time, you have a hard time focusing on praying. Like, you know, you get distracted. So maybe you need to journal your prayers. Maybe you need to get yourself a journal, a notebook, and just write down, jot down your prayers. It doesn't, nobody's checking. It's not homework. You can jot down. It doesn't matter how your handwriting looks. But here's the thing. You write down your prayers. One of the benefits of writing down your prayers is then when you look back, you see God's faithfulness and how he answered all these different prayers. Maybe you've been a Christian for a very long time and you know, you're just struggling a little bit with your prayer life. Maybe, maybe you need to study people in the Bible and how they prayed and maybe pray prayers like they prayed, similar to what they prayed. Maybe this will revitalize your prayer life a little. I like to do something I call bullseye prayer. And basically, like if you imagine like a dartboard and yourself being in the middle of that bullseye, and then basically you're, you're, so when I start praying, I start praying for myself, what needs to change in me, what I need to do, all the things that are going on in my life personally. And then I move out to my wife and to my kids, then to my extended family. I just keep going out to the relationships that are further away. So I start with the close and then I work my way out. It's just a good mental picture for me as I'm praying to keep myself organized so I don't get distracted. The point is, is you need a plan. You need some kind of plan. Whatever works for you, figure it out. Next, biblical knowledge. 
Moses knew the word, right? When he appealed to God, what did he do? He reminded God of his promises. These are all from God's word. So the question you have to ask yourself is, did your biblical knowledge grow in 2022? Okay, were you in the word on a daily basis? Did you pay attention and take notes when you're here? You know, you can take notes. You can take pictures of these slides. You can jot down notes if you bring your own Bible, whatever, or if you bring a notepad, you can take notes. These things are, are things you can reference later. Did you attend any Bible studies? We offer a ton of different Bible studies here at the church. Did you attend any? Did you read any books that help you study the scriptures? Did you read any books that help you study the scriptures? Are you pleased with your biblical knowledge? That's basically what you have to ask yourself. Are you pleased with your biblical knowledge? Do you feel like you have a handle? If somebody asks you a question about something in your faith, do you feel like, I know where to go, and I know how to answer them? I've, I've said this before. I'm, I'm a Jeopardy fan, okay? And, uh, you know, these people know so much. And it just, it doesn't make me laugh. It's sad, actually, when every time a Bible category comes up, they don't know anything, okay? We live in a post-Christian generation, a post-Christian world. Kids are not learning to read the Bible as they learn to read, okay? They're not learning that. Okay, these things are not taught. So you have to ask yourself, am I pleased with my biblical knowledge? And guess what? If the answer to that is not entirely or no, you have to think, what's your plan? What's your plan to grow in knowledge for 2023? Get in the word daily. You know, maybe it's figuring out one of these, you know, Bible in the Year programs. There's tons of them. We have our resource link on our website and on the app, you know, Bible reading plans, even on the daily bread. If you take those little daily breads that are out in the foyer, there's actually a Bible in the Year reading plan. Uh, maybe it's attend a Bible study, committing to attending a Bible study. Maybe it's committing to taking notes when you're here, when we're studying together. Maybe it's reading books about biblical theology. I linked one up on our resource page. It's uh, called Basic Theology by Charles Ryrie. He's actually one of my professors. He wrote a nice uh, basic theology, and it's like 90-something chapters. Maybe you could say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick that book up, and I'm going to do a chapter a week for close to two years. I'm just going to learn about biblical theologies. He talks about the theology, gives you scriptures to support those theologies, what you can study. Hey, you know what? When you have people in your life that ask you what you believe and you don't even know what you believe, that could be a problem. Not only for answering the questions, but for when, I'm not even going to say if, for when something goes wrong in your life and you need it. You need to know what God's word has to say. So what's your plan? to grow in knowledge for 2023. And then finally, obedience. You know, when Hezekiah prayed, basically, what did he say? Lord, I've been obedient. And then he cried, okay? I've been obedient. And then he started to cry. That actually made a difference to God. It made a difference. He noticed. It's like, here, here's Hezekiah, who, who's been obedient. So the question is, how obedient were you in 2022. Was it tough for you to do the right thing? Were there areas that you struggled in? Was this the year that you really kind of fell pretty hard? Did you confess that sin to the Lord? 
Did you spend time with people that encourage obedience or did you spend too much time with people that encourage disobedience? I'm not saying that we should not hang, with, hang out with unbelievers. We need to, right? We need to tell them about the Lord. But you know what? If there's people in your life that are just toxic and pulling you away from the Lord or pulling you away from being obedient, you have to start asking yourself these hard questions. Like, is, is this a detriment to my spiritual life and to my obedience to the Lord? Which brings us to what's your plan? What's your plan? Do you have a plan to avoid things and people that tempt you to sin or cause you to sin? Are you willing to name sinful things in your life that you're doing? One of the hardest things for Christians these days, for us believers these days, is the culture is so watered down. Everything is so acceptable now that it makes it easy for us to kind of be like, oh, whatever. I mean, churches around the country are doing it. They're accepting sinful practices as the norm. We can't fall into those traps. Are you willing to name those sinful things, call them sin, and not just ignore them or justify them, but actually confess them and not go along with them? Do you take the opportunity to confess? You know what? Maybe right now you feel really overwhelmed. We went through just those three areas, and you're like, oh, 2023 is going to be rough, okay? Let me just tell you, if you didn't do well in 2022, here's an encouragement for you. You only could move up, right? Okay? You can only, like, so pick a few things. You know, don't get yourself overwhelmed. Pick a few things. These are my goals. Today, beautiful day. Take some time. Go take a walk. Sit on a bench somewhere. Take a notebook with you. Grab your note on your phone and just say, you know what? These are things that I desire for my spiritual life. Lord, will you help me with these things so that I can move forward? So I can look back and say, you know what? 2022, yep, it stunk or whatever it was, but 2023 is going to be different. I want to keep my eyes fixed on you. Maybe you're pleased with how well you did in 2022. I'm glad. I'm glad you're pleased. Use that as an encouragement to take the next step further. All of us are a work in progress, okay? None of us have arrived. And guess what? The day you arrive is the day you see Jesus' face, okay? So we all have work to do. So if you did well in 2022, great. Use that as an encouragement to keep progressing. God doesn't change, but he desires to change us to be more like him. You know, this morning we're going to observe communion. And what better day than the first day of the year, the first Sunday of the year, but a time where we're evaluating our spiritual lives to celebrate communion. We're looking at communion and we realize that it's really two purposes for the believer. Okay, It's for the believer and it's for two purposes. One, to be reminded of the grace that Jesus has given to us. The fact that he was willing to shed his blood for our sins. So it's a time of remembrance for the believer. Also, it's a time for us to look inwardly. You know, maybe some of the things that we talked about this morning reminded you of where you should be and where you're not. So it's time to confess. It's a time to confess and reevaluate and look at our lives and say, you know what? 
This has been holding me down. I've been dealing with this sin. I've been lazy in this area. I've been ignoring this. I haven't been faithful in this area. Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, take that first one and just start there. So I want to give you a few minutes just between you and the Lord. Just spend time. Hopefully it will will go beyond this and later today you'll spend more time with the Lord. But for our purposes here this morning, observing communion together, just take a few moments and just lay those things at the foot of the cross and then we'll partake together. On night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a cup of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Please bow as I pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this first day of 2023. Lord, regardless of what happened in our past, the past year or past decade, I pray, Lord, today would be a fresh start in our spiritual lives. I pray for those who may not have trusted in you yet. I pray that they would trust in you that they would accept the fact that you're willing to die for them, that they would accept the fact that you're willing to change them and make them new creations. I pray, Lord, for those of us who have trust in you, that we would walk in that newness that you've made us, that we would shrug off the laziness or the sinfulness or whatever was holding us back from pursuing a healthy spiritual life with you. I pray, Lord, that this year would be different, that it would start with today, that our prayer life, that our time in the word, that our obedience would be brought under you, would be focused on you, that we would come up and make some plans to work on our spiritual goals and our spiritual lives. I pray for each person as you would give them strength because They will be attacked because they're trying to follow after you. So I pray that you would keep them encouraged. Help them to guide one another. And help them to continue their focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.